welcome everyone who's watching online. We're glad you're hanging out with us as well. So, man, it, I, was, I was in the seventh grade, seventh grade, when my family moved from California to Ohio. Now, the, the problem with that was is that the school that I was, I was going to in, in Ohio was a small school, and they didn't have a football team. That was a problem because I played football. They did, however, have a basketball team, but the problem was I didn't play basketball. So, I had a, but I had a really good dad, one of those dads who was my, like my personal coach. He was very involved. And so he said, Johnny, I'm going to teach you how to play basketball. Who plays basketball in here? Anybody play basketball? You? You do? Anybody? Any ballers in here? Who's that? Who's this? Oh, yeah, point guard. Come on up here. Come on up here. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on up here. Tell me your name again. I know it. It's Jacob. I was going to call you Jake the Snake, but all right. All right, Jacob. So uh, here's what we're going to do. I I'm going to be my dad, all right, and you're going to be little Johnny, okay? Uh, here you go. And so what we, uh, no pressure, okay? All right, so um, is that your girlfriend out there watching? Yes. Not after this, she won't be. <laughs> all right, so uh, my dad taught me, first of all, the foundation. You got to have a good foundation, right? You, you right-handed? Yes. All right, so show us, show us a good shooting foundation. And you notice the right leg a little bit in front of the left, right? You know, you need some dirty shoes, bro. Just get the guy some cleaner. Come on, can we help him out a little bit here, Gather? All right, so good foundation, which you got. And then my dad talked to me about form, right? Good form. Form, yeah, see, now, see, there you go. See, now, see, hang on. Just notice he has his elbow, unless you're Larry Bird, then that, you know, that's not so good. Well, good for him. But, like, nice and tucked in, there you go, right? And then he's got the L. You're making the L. Good, okay. So we got good foundation. We got good form. And most importantly, my dad told me you have to have a good Follow through. Yeah, exactly right. Right? So, so let's see what you got. All right? Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 we're going to see what you made of. You thought this was just for illustrative purposes only? It's not regulation. Oh, he said it's not regulation. Did you? It's not regulation. That's the problem with this next generation. So entitled. No, I'm just kidding. No. Didn't your mama tell you life ain't fair? Come on, Jacob. Let's go. Ready? You got, you got to adjust. You have to make a real-time adjustment, all right? Take, take into account the wind, too. All right. Oh, that was pretty good. Make sure you got nice, that nice, nice follow-through. Good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, two bricks. One more, one more, one more, one more. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He wants to bank it. He wants to bank it. Go ahead. Oh, all right. All right, but, but he's not done yet because... Because my dad, oh, no, 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 you got to understand my dad. I want you to put yourself, it's Ohio, it's 20 degrees, we shovel off the driveway, and I'm, I'm shivering, my hands are numb, and my dad wants me to work on my follow-through, but to teach me a follow-through, he's not ex an exceptionally tall man, and so he would come out there with a broom to teach me to follow through. He said, Johnny, you got to follow through, you got to get over the broom and follow through. Okay, big boy. Ah, a little harder. They go, come on, you can do this. Come on. There it is. All right, all right. 
don't leave, don't leave, don't leave. Because all that work, all the work that my dad put into me, it, my eighth grade year, it would be tested. Made the team. We were having a great season. We came down to the, the championship game. We were playing our arch rival, the New Bremen Cardinals. Came down to the last play. There was 10 seconds left. We were down one. I dribbled down. I, I made it to the right, uh, right of the key. I found a spot, and I pulled up, and I shot a jump shot. And in the air, all I could think of was my dad's voice saying, follow through, follow through. We have a picture of that game. No joke. That's a real picture. Look at the scoreboard. 44, that's the guests, New Bremen. 43, that's us. That's me in those tight shorts. Can we just, can we just take a moment and appreciate the verticality right there? I mean, that's a good little vertical jump, right? Come on now. Did I make it or did I miss it? Well, I don't have the next picture, but the answer is yes, I made it. And we won the game, Jacob. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Come on. Thanks, man. Nice job. So we're in week two of our Refuse to Settle series. And I think, if we're honest, a lot of us are a lot like that. We, we, we can relate to that because in our spiritual life, we have a good foundation. We start off well. We have good form for the most part. But I think where we often falter is on the follow-through. I think we have faith to start, but we don't always have faith to finish. And so today, God gave me this message. I'm calling it the faith to follow through. We can start something, but do we have the faith to follow through or do we just settle? Do we capitulate? Do we just kind of acquiesce and say, you know what? Somebody else can live out the plan that God had for me instead of me living out the plan that God had for me. Mark chapter 5, we're gonna, I'll meet you there in God's word. If you don't have a Bible, we've got one uh, on the screen for you. Mark chapter 5, we're going to see a guy named Jairus whose follow-through would be tested big time. You see, he and his disciples in Mark 5, they were at the Sea of Galilee, and this guy named Jairus uh, shows up on the scene. He was a religious leader there in the, uh, he, he was one of the, worked in the temple there at, at Capernaum. And he shows up and he falls at the feet of Jesus and says, my little daughter is dying, Jesus. Will you come and lay hands on her and heal her? She's dying. To which Jesus immediately responds and, and goes with him. And they make, they're making their way quickly to, to his house where the sick daughter is, is in bad shape. But on the way, something happens. On the way, there's a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. The doctors tried to help her. They couldn't help her. And she sees Jesus, and, and she kind of interrupts what Jesus was doing, touches him on, on, on his cloak, on, on his clothes, and, and she's healed. Praise God. She's healed after 12 years. But the problem is that created a delay. And that delay caused Jairus' daughter to die. He started off, he had big faith, but now what? Now what will he follow through? Verse 35 of Mark 5. 
While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? And I want to pause right there because I think that's where a lot of us are at. Maybe you're watching online from home today and, and you're like, you know, that's where I'm at. I feel like something inside of me, if I'm honest, it, it, it died. It's just there, but it's, it's dead. What's he going to do? Is he going to quit or is he going to follow through? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Someone needs to hear that today. Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. He went, into the, he went in and said to them, why all the commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithalah kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders to not let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Lord God, I thank you for the faith of this man named Jairus, who amidst hearing all the bad news, had the guts to continue on that journey. God, help us have the faith to follow through and continue on our journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Your daughter's dead. Imagine those words. Why bother your teacher anymore? I want you to picture Jairus' face upon hearing those words. What did, what did he look like? Your daughter's dead. I mean, I can't imagine as a dad the dejection that he must have felt, the hurt that he must have immediately felt upon hearing that news. It happened. What's, what's it for you? Right? You've experienced some it in your life. Maybe it's not a fatality, but maybe it's frustration with the relationship in your life. Maybe it's fear is your it. Maybe, maybe it's failure. Maybe you've experienced failure. It happened, and so what are you going to do about it? And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to make light of that. I'm not trying to minimize that. I'm just saying it happened. What are we going to do? Point number one, get over it to get on with it. We got to get over it to get on with it. There is a broom that's disappeared with your name on it. Maybe the broom was raptured. I don't know, but mine wasn't. Because there's things in my life that I've got to get over to get on with it. And I think your life is much the same. There's something that God's saying, girl, you got to get over it. Son, you got to get over it to get on with it. What is it? What's your broom? There's a broom in front of you. I think the broom that was in front of Jairus was the broom of finality. And I think some of us, we face that same broom, the broom of finality. It's over. It's over. God can't use me anymore. God can't fix this. It's just been this way the whole time. The fear of finality. 
Can you really do something, God? Can you really fix this? Can you really, can I really experience breakthrough in my life? And you know what the sad thing is? So so many of us, we just, instead of going over it, we just stop. And we just stay on the other side of the plan that God has for us. On the other side of our, our destiny. And it's so sad. And it makes, honestly, it's not only sad, it makes me sick that the enemy can come and punk us. Can rip us off from what we're called to do and what we're called to be. And as, as far as I can help it, as your pastor, I will not let that happen. Now, a lot of it's on you, some of it's on me, but a lot of it, you got to own that. And, and, and as there comes a point where we say enough is enough, I'm getting over it so I can get on with it. And I'm going to stop settling. You know what we do? We, 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 we settle and then we justify it with the word of God. You ever heard of a proof text? A proof text is what we use to, to prove our theological position on, on, a, on a particular uh, issue. I think a lot of us, we, we have a proof text for our settle. Let's just call it a, a settle text. You, you know what the big one is? The one, one I hear all the time is Romans 8.28, taken out of context. All the, and we know that, the God, that God causes everything to work together for the good so I can live however I want to live. Because God said he's going to make it, he's going to bless my mess. Is that what that said? Hang on. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Here's the conditions. Of those who love God and are called to his purpose. In other words, if you love God and obey God, he will cause all these things to work together for good. Students of the Bible. A text without context is a pretext. Let that sink in. A text without a context, if you're not taking it out of context, it's just a pretext. It's a, it's a false reason to, get, to, to justify an action. And we do it all the time. Oh, here's another one. I'm waiting on the Lord. That's biblical. Well, yes, it can be. Hmm. I, and we use this one, Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength and shall mount up with wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Man, that sounds sexy. Woo. Regulators, mount up. Sorry, I went back to 1987. (laughs) That's really cool. And, And there are times, yes, where we have to wait. But you know what I think most of the time, when we, when we say we're waiting on God, I think God's saying, I'm waiting on you. Much like I was waiting on this sweet old Canadian lady coming out of Sam's Club at the stoplight. You can go right on red in America, y'all. I don't know what, I don't know what the law is in, in Canada. But you can go right. And I'm like, go! And I'm thinking, wait a second. That's what God's telling us. He's telling us, go! Oh, but God, I got a verse for you. I'm waiting on you. No, I'm waiting on you, son. I've equipped you. I've empowered you. I've taught you. And I've got people around you that will help you go. God's telling us to go. Get over it. Anybody heard of a Miracle Mike? Miracle Mike, he's a, he's a chicken from Colorado that uh, was born April of 1945 but was beheaded and lived for 18 months without a stinking head. They fed him with a liquid dropper. No joke. 
he lived for 18 months without a head. And I wonder how many Christians, now I ain't saying you don't have a head, although sometimes we act like we ain't got a noggin, right? But I wonder if sometimes we live without really fulfilling the plan God has for us, like part of our life, part of our being is just kind of dormant, kind of shut down. Be careful what becomes normal in your life. Hmm, because after a while, it just kind of feels normal to settle. It just kind of feels like this is the way life's supposed to be. A bird who lived his whole life in a cage thinks a bird that flies is sick. Woo. Think about that one. Ephesians 2.10, let me remind you. We are God's handiwork. Another translation says masterpiece. Think about that. You're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do average, mediocre type of stuff. Because that's what we think. That's what we believe, or at least that's how we live. And God's saying enough is enough. You were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you ever took your first breath, God knew exactly what he called you to do. He, he knows exactly what he called you to be. And he equipped you to accomplish that very thing he called you to. But I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm just a waiting Lord. I'm a good fellow Christian just waiting. Come on. It's time to go. And that doesn't mean we don't have times where we have to wait. Yes, most of life is spent in the waiting. But we're going to talk in a little bit. What you do in that waiting is so, so important. So it's a lot of us, we have a, a broom in front of us. Some of us, ooh, ready for this? We're dealing with the broom that's behind us. I don't see no broom. Yeah, that's, be, that's because it's behind you. There's something you got to get over. It's actually behind you. You can't see it, but it's there. Ooh, it's there. It's hurt. It's past disappointment. It's past betrayal. It's past unforgiveness. I wonder, it's not in the text, but can I just ask a, a, a good question? Because students of the Bible ask good questions. I, I wonder if Jairus was not upset with that interruption. Now, I mean, it's not in the Bible. We don't know. Truth is, we can't say. We can't conclusively say. But put yourself in his position for just one second. Your daughter's dying. The clock is ticking. And you know you got to get Jesus back there ASAP. And all of a sudden, this woman interrupts. I, I wonder if Jairus thought, she stole my miracle. You ever been... You ever been just fighting mad because you felt like the blessing that was meant for you, somebody else got? Once a week, once a week, my wife brings home on Sunday cookies and cream. Bluebell cookies and cream once a week. And I can't tell you how much I look forward to that. I, 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 my mouth is salivating right now as I speak of it. And for one, one cheat day, one cheat, one day where I, where I can just, you know, guilt-free, eat whatever I want. And, and, and the kids know 
the daddy's ice cream is off limits. <laughs> and you know what those little thieves did? I go in there, and this happens more, this happened more than once, where I go in there and, and I pick it up and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Something's wrong here. You know? I mean, I know there's an egg shortage and everything, but I mean, like, come on, what's going on here? It's light. And, and, and so I open it up, and there's one little bite. One little bite because someone was too chickened to throw it away because they knew I'd be livid if I saw it in the garbage. And so they tried to punk me, and they leave one little bite. And one time, one time, I don't even know if you know this, one time they left a little spoon in there. So as to mock me, I think... Or they left it behind when they were thieving my ice cream. I don't know which, but the point is, I was mad. And I think that's how we feel sometimes. Someone stole something that was meant for us. And we carry that unforgiveness. And unforgiveness turns into bitterness. You've heard me say unforgiveness is doing time for somebody else's crime. You're punishing yourself for something somebody else did. Release them from it. Therefore, releasing yourself from it. Unforgiveness creates separation. Proverbs 7, 9, 17, 9. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. If you're feeling separation from someone, I want you to evaluate. Very possibly, there is unforgiveness. You may think you've forgiven that person, but if there's separation, quite often, there is unforgiveness. So it comes down to this. Will you catapult or capitulate? Are you going to capitulate? Are you, there, there, there's something I got to get over. Am I going to capitulate? I'm going to surrender? Or am I going to be catapulted over? You say, but how do I do that? Holy Spirit, right? You have a propulsion system on board called the Holy Spirit. We got to activate it. We got to call on God and say, God, I can't do this alone. But with you, I can get over it and get on with it. And that's what it takes to follow through. Point number two, we got to learn to fence our follow-through. Fence our follow-through. Protect our follow-through. Did you catch that in the text? Right here, verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Hold up, hold up, hold up. How many disciples were there? Twelve, yeah. How many went? Three. Hmm. Not only that, I'll raise you. In verse 40, before he healed, what did he do? Before he healed the little girl, he put them all out. He took the dream team. He took Peter, James, and John, and Jairus and his wife. That's it. That's all he took. He had to protect the follow-through. Because one stupid word by one of the other disciples or somebody else in the room could have changed the whole story. Isn't it funny in, in basketball when someone compromises your follow-through, when someone violates your follow-through, we call it a foul. When in life, when, when someone compromises your follow-through, we call it friendship. Ooh. After he put them all out, I want to ask you a question. Who is it or what is it in your life, in my life, that we need to put out of our life? Ooh. 
Someone's working on their marriage or trying to follow through in their marriage. And, and there's the fella that says, hey, dude, let's go out, man. Let's just go hang out, you know, with the fellas. No, I'm trying to follow through. So I need to put that out. Someone's trying to follow through with their sobriety. And you got a friend that's like, hey, man, just, just one drink, man. Come on, you've been, you've been sober for like two years. Put that person out. Some, somebody says, you know what, uh, hey, man, Sunday just rained. Let's go off-roading. It's going to be so fun today. No, I'm trying to follow through with my faith, man. I'm trying to make church a priority. And thank you, by the way, for not letting the rain keep you out of church today. Amen. That's called following through. But sometimes there's things we need to put out of our life. There's people we need to put out of our life. Show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. Amen. Because people give you weight or they give you wings. Weight or wings. I had this person, he doesn't go to this church anymore, but um, he used to follow me around and just, you remember, you remember, the, anybody see the cable guy? He was like the cable guy, he'd follow me all around, but he wasn't so friendly, he was all, every Sunday, he'd follow me around and just telling me what I need to change and, and what we're doing wrong and blah, 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 blah. And so I told my, some of the people that, that I work with here and serve with, I said, man, can you help me avoid that person? I know that sounds terrible. You're like, well, that's not very godly. <sighs> Jesus wouldn't do that. Wrong. He did do that. And you know those other nine disciples, you know, they were, they were fighting mad. Like, why did Peter, James, and John get to go all the time? Because there's several times he just took the three of them. There's a reason for that. And there's a reason why we need to put people out of our life. And so you, 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 want to, you want to get wings? You want someone to give you wings? Join a small group. And, and we're going to do that February 5th. We're going to give you an opportunity to sign up and join a, a group where you're going to get wings, where you're going to have someone that's going to lift you up and help you soar. But right now, for today, I want to encourage anybody who wants to be a leader of one of those groups, we still have a few more spots available that we need to fill. So I want to encourage you, if you, if you feel like, you know, I want to be a leader, and lead a small group, then I want to encourage you to sign up after we let out today. So, we, we fence the follow-through, and then, in the midst of that, Jairus, he gets to the house. He lays eyes on his lifeless daughter for the very first time. Picture his face. Picture it. A dad seeing his daughter, 12 years old, lifeless, breathless, hard to think of. He's waiting. He's in a season of waiting. He finds out the news and, and, and now what? Some, some, someone's there. Some, you're in a season right now where you're waiting. Most of life is lived in the waiting. It's what we do in the waiting. When I take a shot, and me, unlike Jacob, I would actually hit the shot. Oh. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Truth be told, I didn't try to bank it. <laughs> I got lucky. 
But when you release that shot, there's a long wait to see what happens. And the same as in life, like sometimes you got to get over something and you just, you release it. And then you wait. That's where, that's where Jairus was at. He was in, he was in a season of, of waiting. So what do we do during that long period of waiting? We worship through the wait. God's telling us today to worship through our wait. Hmm. Check out this example, verse 39. He went in and said to them, why all the commotion and all the wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. So you have to understand in Jewish culture, they would have professional wailers. So that was normal to have wailing upon someone's death. They would grieve. They would mourn. They're professional mourners. And so that was not an aberration in any way. But he says, the child is not dead but asleep. So was she dead? She was dead. How do we know? Well, biblical death, death as defined in the Bible, is separation of the soul from your body. And if you read the parallel account, Luke's account in Luke chapter 8, verse 55, after Jesus healed her, it said her spirit returned to her. So we know she was dead. So why does Jesus say she was asleep? It was a euphemism. It was a way of saying something when you see a bigger picture. Lazarus said the same thing, right? When Lazarus was dead for four days, he's asleep because he sees the big picture. Because he was modeling what worship really is. He changed the the wailing to worship. And he wants us to do the very same thing amidst our season of waiting. Are we going to be wailing, oh God, or are we going to worship amidst that? Which one are we going to do? Hmm. You say, but Pastor John, man, my life is, I'm trying to, I'm I'm trying to worship amidst the wait. Trying to worship through the wait. But I feel like if I'm honest, I'm trying to move forward, but my life is just like spinning out of control. It's spinning backwards. I'm trying to move forward, but my life is spinning backwards. Anybody there today? Would you be honest and say you're there? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. God can do something with a heart that's real and a heart that's desperate. But you know what God showed me? You know what God showed me? Check this out. Woo. When you shoot a ball and you follow through, what happens to the ball? It moves forward. What happens to the ball? As it moves forward, with a proper follow-through, with a proper follow-through, it will spin backwards. Why does it spin backwards? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. Backwards rotation, when it comes to hit the rim, it slows the ball down. It's called the shooter's touch or the shooter's roll or the shooter's bounce. You get that bounce when you hit the front of the rim because of the backward rotation. Here's what I'm trying to point out. If you catch this spiritual truth from a practical illustration. You ready for this? Backward rotation is preparation for impact. Someone better say amen. 
<laughs> because your life's going this, you're moving forward, but like, oh God, I feel backward rotation. And God's like, yep, 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 yep. I'm preparing you for impact. You don't believe me? December 23rd, the second night of our uh, Christmas in the park, I get a phone call, my wife. Honey, I just, I just, I just backed into someone. So she was at uh, Tokyo Joe's picking up some food and uh, she ended up backing. Now, my, when my wife does something, she goes all out. <laughs> she didn't just back, back up into any old car, Randy. She backed up into a Lexus. And so she backs up into the Lexus and, and you know, she's kind of, you know, I mean, obviously you're kind of rattled and you're not really feeling so great. But it was in the midst of that backward rotation that she would begin to talk to, to this lady and, and, and tell her about our church and tell her about what we're doing in the park. Guess who showed up the next day, December 24th? Her and her husband walked in. They said, we've been looking for a church. Woo! Sometimes that backward rotation is just God's way of saying, I'm preparing you for impact. So what I want you to do is I want you to smile. I want you to worship in the midst of your weight. I think a lot of us, we miss the miracle that happens in the middle. We make this all about the sweet little girl, and it was about the little girl. But there's also some stuff going on in the weight. There's also a miracle that's happening in the middle in, in Jairus' heart. And so what I want to do is I want to give you an assignment this week. And I know not all of you are going to do it, but some of you are going to do it. I want you to, um, I want you to write a letter to yourself. What do I mean? In the midst of whatever you're going through, in the midst of a life that is moving forward but spinning backwards, I want you to write yourself a letter. A letter to yourself, to you, from you. Declaring God's goodness. Everything's not perfect. There's still more chapters to be written. There's still an absence of, of, of total resolution. And yet, when you write a letter to yourself, you can glorify God for what he has done and what you know in faith he will do. And when you declare that, you tell a world that is spinning out of control that it's going to be okay. That's exactly what our leader, our director of, of young adults, Julian, did. Why don't you take a look at this letter to himself. Dear Julian, I'm writing this letter as a form of release. First off, I'm proud of you. You seem happy. You seem at peace. Looking back on the past couple of years, I really doubted you would make it here. But it's crazy how good God is, right? <laughs> All those blurred visits are now clear. I remember the depression. I remember the hurt. I remember you losing your purpose. I remember you losing your soul. I remember the feeling of defeat when nothing in life mattered. Nothing kept you whole. Suicide was a real option you debated. The devil tried every way to finish you. But thank God for your mama. I love that woman. How she doing, man? She really helped push you through. Those prayers, the encouraging words, not in the same state, but with steady holding your hand. How your friends doing? Jerome, Jerez, Mike, Astrid, Ronnie, Chris, and Ryan. Those guys really showed up. You gotta love it, man. Cherish those friendships because they kept you fighting. The person folks see now would never know the pain you went through but your testimony is such a blessing. 
to show what God really can do. I hope you never forget the lesson you learned through this time period. They're helped shaping you. Your mama said it best. Sometimes you got to go through to get to. How's it feel to find God again and realize what his name can do? Look at you now, kid, leading young adults, smiling from ear to ear. Again, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the man you are. I'm proud of the man you're becoming. Understand your life has purpose and what you went through was just a moment. A moment for you to find God. A moment for you to find yourself. These moments don't define you. They grow you. And now you have the opportunity to help. The same people that may be hurt and share your wisdom and continue to let God guide you. Thank God for Pastor John, Jordan, the gathering, for grabbing a hold of you. The blessings around you are gifts from God and every page of the book your life is writing displays what his restoration can turn. This is the last page to this chapter. You made it, man. You made it through. Stay connected to God. Hey, Julian, I'm proud of you. That's cool, isn't it? And how much that, does that bless you to know that in the midst of that, he can just worship? There's a reason to worship in the midst of backward rotation. And so what I want you to do this week is I want to encourage you to do that, to write a letter to yourself and post it. Post it on, on your social media. Use social media for good and, and, and bless someone else and let them know that God is alive. That, that amidst the pain of life, I choose to follow through because I believe God is good and, and he's working in ways that I can't see and can't know And because there is a bigger picture. Even when something feels dead in your life, there's impact that is coming. There is a resurrection that is coming through faith. Would you tell the world that as you write your letter to yourself? And before we go today, I want to give you one other opportunity to, to worship in the midst of what you're going through. I want to give you an opportunity. They're going to do the song Gratitude again. And I just want to invite you to worship. Worship like you've never worshiped before, uninhibited. There's a lion inside of you waiting to roar. We're not going to make excuses anymore. We're not going to tell God what he's not or what I'm not, but we're going to step in to the authority given us by the most high God, a God who paid the price on that cross. We're going to step into a season where we become the men and women that God has called us to become. It starts with choosing to get over it, to get over it and get on with it. It also requires that we protect that follow-through. Today, I want to invite you to do the third point, and that's worship. Just worship. Worship while you wait. Would you stand to your feet? And as they sing gratitude, maybe you want to just cry out to God where you're at. Maybe you want to come kneel. I don't know what God's speaking to your heart. Maybe you want to kneel. Maybe you want to come and make a commitment, or maybe you make a commitment right where you're at to say, you know what, I refuse to settle. This will be the fork in the road. This will be the day, where a marker in my life, a stake in the ground where I refuse to settle. From this moment on, I'm chasing you, God. That lion inside me will roar today. Let's give God thanks as we worship in the way.
church. Let's put our hands together. And so maybe today, um, what Pastor John said really connected with your heart. And you're like, hey man, I want to learn more about what it means to live for Jesus, to follow Jesus. There's going to be a team down here that would love to pray with you, answer any questions. If you want to say yes to Jesus, there's a group of people down here that want to help you make that decision. And hey, listen, on your way out, if as Pastor John said, you think, hey, I could lead a group. And make a difference in the lives of others. Some other groups table, the, the white balloons, we'd love to help you take that next step. But guys, we love you. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.